So hi, welcome. <laughs> hi, welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream and podcast where two writers have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work. I'm DC McNaughton, and I am a speculative fiction writer. I am currently in the editing, now editing phase again of a unfortunately 130,000 word novel um but we're hoping to make it 100,000 by the end of uh i don't know let's say january you can do uh, this yeah, if there's anything uh, we are both good at it is getting rid of words yeah i don't i i'm very afraid of this one but but we'll we'll talk more about that later <laughs> uh right now i'm reading a little life uh by hanya yana yanagihara probably uh butchered that one uh i am reading it because i started reading it because um her writing's very much like donna tarts and i ran out of donna tart books <laughs> um it's very sad, and I'm finding out that there's a lot of other good reasons for me to be reading it, because it's got a character who's been through a lot of shit, and my character has also been through a lot of shit, so I'm kind of picking up a few skills along the way, you know, isn't that watching book, this sad character. I was gonna say, isn't that book the one that's just like got a close-up of like someone crying on the cover? <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> funny. I actually have It's like super yeah. sad. Every time it's Every time it's sitting, every time it's sitting on our table, and like other people are in the room, I just like hold it up, and I'm like, "Doesn't this man look so sad?" It's really, yeah. It's it's like super depressing to read, and it's super depressing to look at. It's my my breed, I, my brand, I guess. So like, yeah, the cover doesn't lie. It's a truth in advertising. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. I got what I paid for. A sad man. <laughs> um, okay, so my intro, I guess. Uh, I'm Avery Ames. I write adult fantasy. Um, what I am working on is I am finishing up revision slash rewrite on the book that I will be sending back to my agent very soon. Um, what I'm reading is I'm actually doing some beta reading right now, so I'm not reading published work right at the moment, so I don't really have anything to share this episode but I will next time. <laughs> um, and uh, this is our usual reminder that writing is not all about rules. When we're writing, we sometimes need to break rules as well. Um, and sometimes we get in trouble for that at conventions and conferences <laughs> that we go to. Um, <laughs> we're both firm believers that if the rules feel too suffocating or overwhelming, ignore them and just write. But sometimes that bites us it bites us in the ass, doesn't we it? All, we um, all come through in the end. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's yeah, fine. Everything's fine. Everything's absolutely 100% fine. <laughs> so um, today we're going to talk about pitches. So first we're going to chat about in-person pitching at like conferences or other events. And then we'll move on to discuss online pitch events like the ones you see on Twitter. Um, so for the drink this episode, I made the pitch black drink that is also short and sweet like you want your elevator pitch to be i'm going to try to hold it up for those who are watching us on live stream um it is very dark it's like almost black it's got a black sugar rim it's oh i just screwed up my green screen i guess <laughs> oh well it's probably because it's getting darker here and it's spooky don't worry yeah. it's fine to be spooky it's october yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it is a very dark drink. It has a uh, Mr. Black coffee liqueur, hence the name black as well as the color, and dark rum and Hershey's dark chocolate syrup. It's a very yep. rich, sweet drink. Oh my goodness. And I 
I made the same thing because sometimes you got to follow the rules. Um, <laughs> the only thing that I did differently was I did not use black sugar. I used maple. It's like these maple oh. crispy things that I ground in a mortar and pestle because I did not have black sugar. And uh, I figured maple is still like orange in color. So it's still spooky. Yes. It also so, sounds like yeah. it, the flavor would go really well. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited to try it. The maple's really strong. So it should come through. My but, uh, sugar crystals are kind of big and they are very crunchy. So I hope that doesn't come through on the audio. <laughs> I'm going to try not to crunch too many of them. That's a damn good drink. Yummy. It's if you like things yeah. like um like chocolate martinis or espresso martinis, it's kind of along that line. So it's yummy. Yum, yum, yum. I'm gonna try to not spill it on my laptop. Yeah, I didn't use I did them that last week. And oh yeah, please don't spill on your laptop again. Hmm. That's why I used a coupe glass instead of a martini glass because I have a martini glass and it is very pretty and it's very fun. But when I'm near a computer, I choose not to use one. <laughs> Probably wise. Probably very wise. Okay. So my goodness, I think that I'm starting this one yes. because, well, as it turns out, um, I got accepted and went to and attended uh, the New York City Pitch Conference um, the, a few weeks ago and had a great time. Um, now, before I go into anything, I want to warn our you you know our our viewers when you decide to go to a conference, especially one that's advertised as a pitch conference. Do your research. Make sure you're not getting ripped off. Make sure that it's the real deal. Make sure that it's not just riffing off the New York City pitch conference because there are a lot of um, imitators, um, especially ones in New York City that like to riff off this one, um, and they're not necessarily as reliable. Just do your research. Make sure that there are reviews out there. Make sure that you can, you know, because there's a lot of people out there that just kind of want your money. Mm -hmm. As a general rule, <laughs> uh, if they're just telling you your stuff is awesome, give us money. That's usually a warning sign. Yeah. If they're like yeah. glowing and, about your stuff and then want you yeah. to pay them as well. Yeah. It's kind of like the vanity yeah. publisher kind of thing. If they if they give you vanity publisher vibes. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, as it turns out, I did have to pay for this one, but yeah. you know, it was just enough, you know, like it's, it, it you know, it, it, it is not an uncomfortable amount, especially because you get, um, like, I think it was three, three days of workshopping and pitching and it was long. And the, um, the, the, the man, uh, who ran it, uh, you know, was very, very cool about giving us extra time and he was very helpful, um, and I learned a lot just in the first day I felt like I, within the first day I walked in and I th said, wow, I think I just got my money's worth. So like, yeah, you're, you're um, going to have to pay at any of them because I mean, you got to pay the yeah. people who are running it. They got to cover, <clears throat> you know, renting the hotel, all that stuff, but it's more their reaction to if they're like, Hey, we want to help you hone your pitch. We want to help you do that versus just being like, yeah, your book is great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, you definitely want someone who's going to, like, tell you that it's not right if it's not right and make you cry. And I think I cried. I, I definitely cried probably once a day when I went to this thing just because, like, you know, it's stressful because you have to you're you're workshopping with other people that have also very good ideas. There's a lot of pressure on, 
<clears throat> there's it's New York City, so it's very stressful, especially if you're an introvert like me, just to be there. You know, it's um, it's a lot, and sometimes tears are a good thing. So you have to remember that when you cry, that you're learning. It's okay. <laughs> like, um, but basically, to I guess to get into the meat of it, um, and and just a, like a little overview of this, because I know that when I was looking for information on this conference, uh, I had a hard time finding stuff. I found uh, some YouTube videos of some people doing uh, just chats about what it is. Um, at a glance, you walk in, um, you spend the first day workshopping, you have um, three, uh, we, we were scheduled to have four uh, agents, editors, um, film producers to um, pitch to, but we ended up getting five. So that was cool. Um, yeah, so it was, yeah, workshop, pitch, workshop, pitch pitch like um we workshop twice so after pitching to the first one we talked about like what we did wrong um but the first day was we walked in we pitched what we had without any it, like well we got instruction and email beforehand we got like a big long list of assignments to do and those of who have us who were smart and love our books did the assignments <laughs> and uh came in and had these pitches ready to go um and i think like at a glance um, when you're talking about a pitch, what I've learned, uh, I basically walked in with my query letter, um, or what I probably would have eventually used as a query letter and very quickly realized that they are not the same thing. Um, I, a query letter can, for those of you who may not know the difference yet, or maybe have a queried or maybe have a pitched, um, a query letter sort of, um, it's a lot more it can be a lot more detailed. Uh, you can get sometimes like sort of into like, like let's say there's a magic system or let's say, you know, um, maybe there's some side characters that you can talk about in a query. Maybe there's a side romance you can talk about in a query. Yeah, that's mine. Is I In my queries, I'll do like the plot and the romance because my books <clears> have like a strong romance element usually. Yeah. yeah. You have enough room um, to do that in a query. <laughs> Yeah, a query letter runs between, like, you want it to be, like, 250 and 350 words, sometimes 400 if you have, like, a really elaborate plot, but usually you don't want to go over that. You want it to be on, um, like, one page, single-spaced. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas pitch, you want between 75 words, 150 words. And if you're lucky and, you know, if you really can't figure out how to, to pare it down, you can do 2 to 220. Um, when I came in on the first day, I had a 250. Um, and immediately, you know, it's too long. It's, you know, it's too long. It's, it's missing the heart of the story, even though all of it was there, <laughs> you know, like all of it was there. Cause it was like a query letter. So like everything's there right in front of you and, and you get told And I felt like it was pretty pared down cause I'm pretty, you know, I'm seasoned at this. I've done this before. And, and immediately it was pare it down. You get 150. He told me to get it down to a hundred words. He, he wow. basically dared me. He's like, get this down to a hundred and we'll talk about it. And, and he, you know, the reason that they do that um, with these pitches, it's because 100 forces you to look at what in your book really matters. Um, and it, it forces you to have to choose the most important thing and sell it. Yeah. And, and it forces and you to me, find your hook. It does. Like it, it really does. It forces you to go and find your hook, find your, find your, um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, the, the challenge, the, uh, the antagonist, the, wow, I can't find words right now. <laughs> I don't know. 
the problem. The oh, problem okay. in your story, you get the, there's another word for it that's a better Conflict? word, but I can't remember Conflict. Oh yeah, we just got Thank that in the chat too. Conflict. Yes, conflict. Thank you. Um, so you you want the heart of your story, you want the conflict. And then maybe a, and this is different from what I've heard about query letters, um, uh, at least for out loud pitching. I know that Twitter pitching, there's probably not enough words for this. Um, but out loud pitching, we were told, have a cliffhanger. Um, have oh, something. that is different. It is different. Yeah, it was really, and you know, I got, you know, I got, I got, you know, hey, you need a cliffhanger because my, because your brain doesn't start turning really because you have the conflict and you have the heart, but you don't know like where the author's going to go with it until you're like, um, you know, so as protagonist does this, what is going to happen when this, and that becomes a cliffhanger that gets the person you're pitching to um, start asking their own questions. And that's kind of what you want because when you're pitching out loud, um, the person you're pitching to has a moment to basically be like, okay, okay, well, how does this work? And that's what you want. You want to, because if you're not getting any like further interest from your pit, you know, from, from the person you're pitching to, it's usually a sign that you've not, you've not uh, evoked their, um, their interest enough. And yeah. so they're not asking questions. Yeah, they're like you curiosity make sure about the story. <clears throat> yeah. And just at a glance, so that, you know, you can kind of uh, talk about some of what you might want to talk about. Um, at a glance, the biggest problem was people were talking too much about the magic system, talking too much about the politics, talking too much about um, the background stuff. And the pitch is a one-liner. It's like, this happens because of this. Or like, what if, um, <clears throat> I'll just, you know, I'll just mention mine, you know, what, what if, um, a sex worker was delusional and um, imagined all women as birds. Like, and that's just an immediate, like, oh my God, like, what if, you know, yeah. like, that's crazy. Um, and it's that's a very unique kind of, idea. Yeah, it's the kind of thing you want. And as it turns out, you know, I know this works. And and now I know that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very, it's effective. It's effective. Yeah. Because I listened to all of the, the all of the uh, all of the feedback I got to when I first walked in that day, I, I listened to and I and I went back to my hotel room and I literally spent an hour just reading Amazon back covers. Like I went I went to Amazon.com and just started reading back covers of all the comps that I had, hmm. and 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 a lot of them were pared down to like 150 words, and I was like, oh my god! And so I like got this like kind of beat going and I was like okay this is what it looks like this is what it looks like and then I wrote mine and the next day like I mean I don't mean to brag but I kind of like I kind of soared you know like I, I did a very good job um we had a very was, flaily day in group chat yeah like it was it was intense and the you know when I came in with that and then you know you could see the entire workshop react not to mention because the first day we pitched in front of everybody to the person who was listening, who was a film producer. And, uh, you know, you could see the reactions and it, and it does work. Um, so definitely, um, if there's anything you can take away from this episode, make it shorter, make it shorter, make it sweeter. When you're pitching, focus on the heart, the plot. I know a lot of people <laughs> don't like to focus on the plot because you know, like you're like, you're always taught the characters are more important. 
but bring the character into the plot, talk about what the character does, what the character co- character conflict is, and that's all you need. Like you don't need all the other stuff right now. Yeah. And I the, think the person you're pitching to will ask more. So Yeah. Yeah. I think the approach you might have to like adjust your approach a little bit depending on <clears throat> how high concept your story is. Um, because we're going to see this later when we edit some of my Twitter pitches. Um, I had a problem pitching Cambiare because it's not a high, it's not as high of a concept as, for example, what you were pitching. Um, so sometimes that's a little trickier. So we're going to have fun with that later. <laughs> I haven't looked at your stuff for Cambiare yet, but like already I've got the one liner in my head for it. And I'm really curious to see what you have because yeah. um, I've got a couple while that... it's not. Okay. I think it is high concept. I mean, I personally think, you know, it's not like, it's not like, like super, like, I wouldn't say it's super deep, like, no, it's like, not uh, a deep book. you know, but it's still high concept. Like, <clears throat> I, no. I, think, I have two, know. I have two pitches that make some very common mis- I don't want to call them mistakes, but some things that can decrease your pitch's effectiveness sometimes depending on the agent uh so i have two that kind of do common quote unquote mistakes although they may not be mistakes and then one that i think is the most effective out of the ones i looked at and we will take that still rip it apart and make it better (laughs) hopefully (laughs) i think we will because you've got all this knowledge this like hidden knowledge from this pitch conference so you've got like galaxy brain on pitches now before we do that, I do want to say, you know, it is really interesting because I came in and I had just finished a 130,000 word novel. And I tell you what, the moment that I started pitching that book and people started showing interest and I was told by an editor at Tor who requested my book, um, he said, um, you got to you got to take 30,000 words out. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> like fuck like you know like it's gonna get a better you know a better chance on my desk if you take thirty thousand words out but i'll tell you what after i made that pitch i was able to look at the pitch and be like why did everybody like this and then look at my story and see like what how do i make this one hundred thirty thousand words while still making it the book it is and it was it became not easy but i was able to sit there and be like I have to remove this character because it's not important. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and it sucks to say something like that, but like, you know, making a pitch, making a pitch for your own book, especially even before you start, it really puts that stuff into perspective. Yeah. So both. Yeah. Let's look at say both the pitch. And also I've had that happen to me when I was writing a synopsis too. Did Yeah. Did you? Yeah. When you're trying to get that synopsis down to one page and you're (laughs) like, okay, what can I cut from the synopsis? Sometimes you're like, does this, does this need to be in the book? And sometimes it does because, you know, you can't put everything into a synopsis. But when you take a look at everything you cut, sometimes you can look at it and go, okay, what of the stuff I cut is actually essential to the story and what really isn't? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to go into the pitches. I will have you read them out loud since you have not read them before. Uh, and then we will, I actually have little notes in red. So we're going to talk about why the notes in red point out things that could make them less effective. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Let's. All right. So you want me, you want me to read yes. these out loud? Why don't you pitch okay, them? Okay. I'll me? read them. <laughs> I just was, I guess that's true. So, okay. Do it. So the, I want to see you do we'll it. We'll do them one at a time. So the first pitch okay. is, Sorel is serving a year in the fairy realm after a bargain with a fae. But when a dead body suddenly shows up on her host's doorstep, she is flung into a labyrinth of dangerous fae intrigues. 
And I put a note here that it is vague and there's no actual stakes. It just says there are intrigues. <laughs> what intrigues? We don't know. It's a Twitter pitch. I didn't have a lot of words. But it doesn't give you any idea of like what is at stake here. If she succeeds, if she fails, what? <laughs> what would your take be on this pitch? I honestly, I agree. Okay, so as somebody who's read Conviare, um, I look at this and I feel like all of the interesting stuff is left out, which is immediately pretty bad because you want to catch people on the interesting stuff. Um, one of the interesting things about Conviare is the fact that, yeah, she does spend a year in the fairy realm after a bargain. Um, I find the bargain very interesting, so I would try a way to kind of include that. Um, I did and- cut a couple pitches that included that. I, I I went and looked through all of my Twitter pitches. There were like thirty. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard, you know, and and that's why you write multiple. Like when you're pitching on Twitter, that's why you do do multiple ones because everybody's going to react to something a little differently, you know. Like you can't guess. Um, some people might not be interested in the bargain. They might be more interested in these intrigues that you don't specify at all. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's and and when I think of. Um, you know, when I think of what I really enjoyed about Conbiare, I think about her time with Elian. She's in a mansion with this guy who's kind of messed. You know, he's a fae. He's got rules and and he's manipulative with them. And he kind of holds them over her head. And like, you know, I think about this like kind of crazy, like manipulative sort of life that they had together and, and what came at the end when, you know, everything sort of culminated into the, um, I believe it was the, a little contest in the woods and like what that was for. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I would, you know, if I had to do this, I would definitely take that part. This is intrigues and make it, make it into something that's Mm -hmm. more specific. You want to be really specific. Yes. Um, you don't want to use a specificity. Yeah. Like using these kind of, um, words like intrigue and stuff that's great and stuff but that's like you saying i promise there's intrigue and it's mm-hmm. like well you know you're on an elevator with me and you've got five <laughs> seconds and what's the intrigue because anything can be intriguing you know anytime i am in a thing where you know people are critiquing each other's pitches i think the thing that comes up the most often and this happens in queries too and we'll touch on this next episode um is the specifics um specificity is your friend when it comes to pitching yeah and you're not likely going to get it in your pitch the first time you write it or your query the first time you write it because i know every time i write a query there's never any specifics first i kind of basically have to go in and find those words that i use to be lazy and then like fix them and then cut it down you know um Mm -hmm. so that's that's a thing um i was also going to say one of the things that this is actually also kind of pointing out is to have a friend who has read the book critique your pitches or help you develop your pitches because a lot of times your other readers will be like this is what this is why I read your book this is why I liked your book and so that can kind of tell you what to hone in on because you've got the whole story in your head and so your friends being like I liked your character's arc I liked you know your romance was great I liked the <clears throat> you know the the plot hook the high concept hook so having like your friends be like this is the thing that interested me most can help um so ask other people 
Yeah, and also one thing I want to say while I'm looking at this, you also want to be very wary in queries and in pitches of of putting something in there that might confuse your reader. Um, I had um, a, a some such problem, and and you have it in this actually, and I'll I'll point it out in a second. Where I was I was um, querying this book. And the way that I laid the query out, um, the agents that requested it were expecting something very specific. Mm -hmm. And then that thing never happened. And I'm like, wait, how did you get that confused? But for instance, you do it here by saying she has plugged into a labyrinth of dangerous fan intrigues. Now that sounds like some David Bowie shit right there. <laughs> and people might actually be expecting you to give them a labyrinth. Like a, a literal labyrinth. Yes, people are very, you know, people who like labyrinths really like labyrinths. So, That's like, true. if you tell an agent or something that you have a labyrinth in there and you don't have one, like, they might be pretty bummed out. So, where is the maze? Sure. Yeah, like, you want to make sure that you're not, um, you're not accidentally putting stuff there, trying to be um, pretty with words that might mm -hmm. not actually be there. Because I actually, you know, I paid an agent once. You, you shouldn't ever pay an agent, but I did pay an agent once to look at my query and then look at my first five pages. And she did say, I expected something else to be here and it's not here. And I was like, whoops, <laughs> like shit. No, oopsie. Damn like, it. Whoopsie doops. Um, so yeah, uh, you, you, you want to be really careful about that. Um, so let's see if maybe some of that stuff is gone or added in the next yes. pitch. I forgot. The next pitch is actually one where we talk about kind of why she made the bargain. So, when she agrees to a year of servitude and fairy to save her brother's life, Sorel is inexorably drawn to her new fae host. That is, until his bloody secrets begin to emerge. Will she uncover his mysteries before she falls, falls prey to fairy schemes? I don't think this one is too bad until that last line, which is, again, vague and also a rhetorical question, which can turn off a lot of agents or mentors, depending on the con contest event whatever um i think it's just one of those things that people in the industry see so much that they have like a knee-jerk reaction to whether it's mm -hmm. justified or not in any one given case um yeah so i think that's one of those things that just if you can say instead of will they do this just switching it up for they must do this or bad thing will happen is a lot more specific and it doesn't ping their like knee-jerk reaction as much. Yes. Um, yeah, we were, you know, we were kind of, you know, and everybody's opinion is different, but we were kind of uh, handheld to leave in a rhetorical question mm -hmm. at the end, but you can also do it without a peer, uh, without an ex mm -hmm. a, a question mark, right? You can, you can cliffhang without a rhetorical question. And if you can, my personal opinion is it does make them stronger. Um, mm -hmm. my own was a, was without a question mark because I like, you know, it's like you're asking or it's, you're leaving the cliffhanger, but you're being very specific about it. And I've seen the rhetorical questions work out loud yeah i was gonna but say this is the thing that, that they, in, i think works better yeah. live than it does on twitter yeah i don't think in i think in twitter you'd look a little you'd look a little ignorant if you put a rhetorical question in whereas you know if you're talking face to face with somebody yeah. it's a little different yeah so you know you got to change it up depending on the media now my thing about this one is i love it a lot better it's very it's it, it's much more specific i would um, if this were mine, I would, um, add another detail, maybe one more word about the new Fay host manipulative, uh, just some word that more describes him just to pick him up as a character. 
Um, and then because right now it just says Cyril is inexorably drawn to her new Fay host. What about her new manipulative Fay host? Yeah. Her new dark, sexy Fay host. <laughs> you know, like these are things you need to, you know, because if you tell your agent who really likes sexy Fay that this is a dark, broody, sexy Fay man, they're gonna be like, oh, I see. <laughs> you know, all the like sluts um, for fairy trash like me. Yeah, and and what I would do with a second sentence, which is that is until his bloody secrets begin to emerge, um, I would actually uh, move the Faye bit into that sentence so that for the like like kind of mention Faye stuff in that sentence so that in the last sentence you can say will she ha- uncover his mysteries and help him deal with his shit before her brother dies you know because or whatever happened like whatever is going on with her life in the other realm because you need to make sure that her stakes are known too because we've got kind of his stakes in there and like her stakes yes she's gonna fall prey to them but like what how does that affect (laughs) how did you know what how does that affect her and 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 uh you know what on the outside is that gonna affect how is that gonna change her life forever which pertains to her life outside of the fairy realm too. Um, Cause I think part of the exciting thing about Kambiari to me is that she's coming from another world and she has uh, things, she has things going on in her world that she needs to get back to. Um, so, and that, that's a very high stake too. So you want to try to put both of them in. So you've got the fairy <laughs> stuff in there, but you don't have her stuff in the real world in there, which can, you know, Shilling for anybody who has read Kambiare, the stuff that she has to deal with at home for more information on that, keep an eye out for book two, which is currently <laughs> in the works. It is it is being worked on. It is with readers right now. I'm leapfrogging projects. But but yes, you will find out more. But wait, there's more. Uh, wait. I will say for me, despite or besides the question one of the concerns is the she falls prey to it's like what does that mean does she die does she lose Mm -hmm. her soul does she get stuck in fairy forever what is the the consequence of falling prey so that's one of those specificity things that i would include now yep i agree i agree i'm curious can you do can you do a word count check on this one um i can it is it is 248 characters so it is like getting pretty close to isn't twitter it's 144 words no it's 45 45 45 words words, but it's yeah i was gonna say for a twitter pitch contest it's nearing the twitter count right so so for a twitter pitch i think i would want to merge the last two sentences currently and then change up the last sentence a little bit to involve stuff that other than the fairies um that's how i would do it yeah and get rid of um words like inexorably um yeah. because they're not they're not really doing anything for you i know um, i like the, the frilly begin- words i know well that's great you know that's know. great but when you're trying to get it down and i'm just saying to anybody who's about to enter dv pit enter you know pit mad in a, in a month or so here um get rid of the stuff that you love doing and yeah. only have the information in there um like for instance uh, you have that is until his bloody secrets begin to emerge. Just say until his bloody secrets emerge, yeah. because like you, that's, you know, those are characters that you can do stuff. That with. actually uh, brings up another point, which is voice can be really good in a query. Um, you don't want to get like too overboard with it, but having a little voice in it can be really good. 
Um, in a pitch, it can hurt you a little bit because the goal of specifically a Twitter pitch, um, the goal of a Twitter pitch is for the agent to read it quickly. Um, you want them to read it real fast and be like, oh, this is interesting. And so any extra words you have in there that make it slow down are actually probably going to hurt you in the long run in specifically Twitter pitching. <laughs> There is one, um, there is one, uh, one thing that goes against that. However, if you're writing something that you are pitching as funny, oh yeah, your pitch needs to be funny. Yeah. Like that is it a, needs to make someone. Yeah, that is an exception because the thing is, people can't. People have a hard time writing funny. Um, so if you're claiming to have written something funny, your pitch needs to be funny because otherwise no one's going to believe you're funny. Yeah. Like, uh, like straight up, like if you need to write a funny pitch. Yeah, that is um, true. I was thinking more of just like the purple stuff that i tend to lean into oh for sure but yeah, yeah if you want to yeah just on the the note of voice in general like um yeah that's yeah you don't and, and if avery's read funny that would be weird too yeah. right <laughs> you know if, if, you do want to uh, match your you know, tone to your book you do, to an extent yeah you do. yeah but yes um, that is a very good point i love reading funny books but i'm really mad at writing them so i don't usually think about that but my last book was a funny book that was so I hard to write it. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh yoy. Um but yeah. Okay. So I am curious about this yeah, third so one. Now, read the third one. I don't know where we can go from here. So yeah, let's see. see how it goes. Uh and then I actually have a couple more random thoughts about Twitter pitching that we'll throw in at the end. Um so this one I actually used comps, um, which I think can be very helpful in a Twitter pitch. Um because it gives it like a real quick scannable thing. And it also like just visually gives your pitch like a bit of oomph because especially since comps are usually in all caps you've got like a line at the top that's all caps and it kind of makes people stop and read it um so just from like a, a almost like a graphic design visual standpoint it does make people stop but it also can give people like a real quick shorthand to go oh i like both these things how do they work together i don't know if these are the best comps but having them in general works uh this was actually when i was pitching the book this book went through several iterations. I tried to age it down to YA a couple times. This was actually when I was pitching it as YA, um, which is why Cruel Beauty is a comp. Um, so I've got Cruel Beauty meets Rebecca. Stranded in a shadowy fairy mansion, bipolar bisexual princess Sorel must unravel her charming fae host's secrets. If Sorel can't unveil the truth of his last servant's disappearance, she risks sharing the girl's fate. So I comped Cruel Beauty and Rebecca because I don't know if anybody's read both of these but cruel beauty is a beauty and the beast retelling so it's got this kind of like creepy ominous mansion um and then rebecca has that gothic tone and it rebecca has the what happened to rebecca kind of what happened to the woman who was here before me kind of plot um so that's why i comped those for this specific pitch but mm -hmm. this one has specific stakes which may not mm -hmm. actually be they're not actually the world ending big stakes of the book there's smaller, more personal stakes that are actually kind of a subplot in the book, mm -hmm. but they have a little bit of a hook to them that fits this gothic vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. This one's much better. Um, putting the comps up front is always a plus. If you can fit comps in there, fit comps in there, because um, let me tell you what, they're probably the most important part of your pitch because yeah. the agent can fill a lot of the gaps that you can't 
you can't, you know, really fill yourself because you've only got 250 words, uh, you know, just by seeing your comps, they know it's mm -hmm. dark. They know it's going to be a little spooky. They know it's going to have a, you know, probably multiple female characters mm -hmm. in a situation such as this. And they're going to know that people who like this sort of book are going to like yeah. this. So they're going to kind of read it in that tone immediately, which is really great because that's what you want. Yeah, These comps, um, Cruel Beauty and Rebecca say it's a fairy tale and it's gothic. Yeah. And so the first sentence of this, I really love stranded in a shadowy fairy mansion, bipolar, bisexual princess, Cyril much must unravel her charming Fay host secrets. That says so much. I like, honestly, someone who's a bit better at this might be able to find something wrong with that. But I really like it because it gets to the point. It gives you the setting. It gives you the characters, you know, uniqueness. Uh, you know, you know, you're getting into a book about a queer character, which a lot of people want to know right up front. It's really important. Um, I really like, you know, charming Faye host secrets that says a ton, like you don't need anything else, but that, um, <clears throat> that now because the Twitter pitch things are set up so well, this last sentence kind of works. Um, because the way that most Twitter pitch events are set up is you, you have multiple chances to pitch it and you only have you have a lot fewer words yeah. than if you're pitching live. Um, if sure. I was pitching live, if I was pitching live, this last sentence, um, if Cyril can't unveil thing, I can't read now. Sorry. Um, if Cyril can't, un <laughs> if Cyril can't unveil the truth of his <clears throat> last servant's disappearance, she risks sharing the girl's fate. If I were pitching this out loud, I probably wouldn't use that one because it's not, like you said, it's not the main plot of the book. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of secondary, but also the way you frame it is interesting. The thing about um, Twitter pitches, you have multiple yeah. chances. So like what I would do is this would be like my second pitch. Like, mm -hmm. you know, maybe this is the one that I throw out after I've already gotten the, the first one out of the way. And I want to introduce the secondary plot, which is a really good way to, I think, and you can agree or disagree with me on this. Um, set your pitches up for Twitter because, mm -hmm. you know, if, if an agent doesn't like the first, the primary conflict, maybe they'll like the secondary conflict. I actually so, do tend to do that. Um, I mean, not so much anymore because I don't really do the Twitter contests anymore. But when I was doing them... You don't need that. <laughs> when I was doing them pretty actively, um, that's what I would do. Is w Different contests have different rules about how many you can pitch in a day um, and how often. But I would see how many I could have in a day and be like, okay, I've got five pitches. And I'd be like, okay, pitch one's going to be main big world ending conflict. Pitch number two is going to be the romance. Pitch number three is going to be the, hey, it's gay. Pitch number four is going to be the like yep. mystery subplot. And I would tackle like a different aspect of the story with each pitch instead of kind of rehashing the same, I would say the same point, but kind of the same part of the book because like you said you never know if an agent's going to be like yeah i don't really care if it's like big world ending stakes but i really like this mystery aspect in in this specific pitch or someone's going to be like "Ooh, i really like you know uh, this kind of like enemies to lovers romance subplot um so yeah i think varying what part of the like where your camera's pointed for each pitch in these contests can really help like just cast a wider net mm-hmm Nope, I agree. So yeah, like as the second pitch on Twitter, this one's really working. Like, um, again, if it were 
if it were face to face that some people, it seems like, um, actually some people are going to be doing soon. There's some kind of conference going on where they're pitching online, um, via webcam, uh, someone told me about, and they were, you know, they came asking for tips. Um, so if you're doing something like that and you're pitching via webcam, um, make it longer, you know, allow yourself 150 words or 200, you know, if you can do 200, that's fine too. Shorter is better because you, you only got so much attention span um, and focus on the primary first and then the secondary. But if you're doing twi- uh, Twitter like this um, or any other such contests, like you can kind of, you can kind of mess with it. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't have to go with the primary one because you only have 250 mm-hmm. fucking characters. Like that's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to switch us back to the chatting screen for a second since we've kind of looked over these. And we have like probably a few final thoughts. Um, I'd kind of written about the pitch contests. And then so we had kind of talked about stakes and rhetorical questions and how they can affect it, how comps can help visibility, voice. Um, one of the things is this may be wading into murky waters, but um, general thoughts on pitch contests and the mentality around them. Um I personally think a lot of them are getting um, the bubbles starting to, I don't want to say it's going to burst, but they're getting so popular and so crowded that they are still an opportunity. And I mean, when you're pitching and querying, take every opportunity you can, you never know what's going to land. But I think especially now, it's probably good to temper your expectations. I think, I think kind of the same, you know, honestly, they are. Okay. So this is the reality of it. The pitch contests are getting busy, but um, especially if you've never done a pitch contest before, do one. Yeah. Just do one. Um, And I say that because I did them. And it really puts things into perspective. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it, it is thin water. It's, you have very, it, it, it's very hard to get noticed. Um, you know, it, it feels flooded yeah, because it is, and it is a very good reality check. Um, especially for people who think that it is easy to get into the industry, to get published, um, it also kind of teaches you how to pare it down to 250 characters. Yeah. And I think that's really important. So like, you know, if, if you are not vetted to this, vet yourself to it yeah. because, you know, it, it's important. Even if you feel like agents aren't checking, yada, 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 um, they do check, uh, you know, they don't check much, but that's the same as in the inbox. So, you know, like this is, this is the game you're playing guys. Like yeah. if, you know, like <laughs> you got to do it. You got to take every chance you can get, which means pitching, querying, you know, um, all of it and helps all this- you refine the rest of it. So querying will help you refine your pitches. Pitching will help you refine your querying. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely also cold query. Like don't just rely on pitches, um, but it will it's it's a good exercise to teach you what matters about your book, what people like about your book. Um, and yeah, it just helps you figure out what the core of your book is. Um, my big thing was just about like the keeping your expectations reasonable was more about a mental health thing because I do see a lot of people, I don't want to say a lot of people, but I do see some people who will get zero likes on their pitches and beat themselves up about it. And I'm like, Twitter is an unforgiving, 
hellscape of algorithms. And you don't know if any agents even saw it. So there is a chance. If you're, yeah, if you're not in the mental mood to do it, don't do it. Like, no. you're not going to lose, like, it. it's not going to kill you to not do it. Like, so if you wake up in the morning and you feel like you can't do it, then don't do it. Like, it's not going to hurt you to not do it. Like, it's it's not, it's not going to hurt you to do it. But like, it's, it's not. You know, it's not something that's going to make or break your career. Um, if you're not feeling up to it, don't do yeah. it. Like, don't but hurt just, yourself. Yeah, like, the, why, why? the number of the, likes is not a judgment on how good your book is. That's my thing is don't conflate those two things. Um, anecdote time. <laughs> Here's my anecdote. I had been querying. I had a few full requests on the manuscript I'm currently revising. And SFF Pit came up, a sci-fi fantasy pitch, pitch contest. And I was pitching that day. And it was the same day I got my offer of representation. <laughs> and I got, <laughs> I think, two likes on all of my pitches that day. And I'm pretty sure I think like only one of them was from an agent. I think one of them was from like one of those shady publishing like company publishing companies i'm making big air quotes here that like to hound the pitch contest and we should talk about those too vet the people that like your pitches because there are some really questionable vanity presses that are very predatory who like to troll these pitch contests and request and there are some there are some legit small presses that do also like to request through these conference or these events so just do your research like look into them mm -hmm. Um, kind of look at their other books. Uh, one of the good places to look up these publishers is I've mentioned them on a past podcast is there is a forum called Absolute Right, W-R-I-T-E, right? Um, and they have a section called Bewares. I forget it's Bewares and something. And um, it's a whole section where they have like a list, like an alphabetized index of agents and publishers, and you can look them up and read other people's experiences, and they'll tell you, yes, this is a legit small publisher, or no, please st stay the hell away, do not touch them with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> yep. And, you know, and, and on that um, on that subject, like, if you've been doing this for multiple years and you've kind of vetted yourself to the process, I highly suggest you pay for a subscription to Publishers Marketplace. Mm -hmm. It's expensive. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm an artist and I don't have a lot of money. It's expensive. Like... Um, however, uh, you can look up every single thing a person has done right there, because let me tell you what, there are so many agents on, um, that, you know, that, that work for, you know, somewhat reliable places too. Uh, and you know, if you look them up on publishers marketplace and they haven't, you know, actually represented the genre that you have, they haven't, you know, maybe they haven't sold anything in two years. Maybe they're only selling rights to Brazil. Maybe they're only selling rights to India and they haven't actually sold a book in 10 years. Like you want to know that stuff. You don't want to sign with those agents. Like um, even if they do want you, you know, like you don't, you know, you want to know who you're getting in a boat with. Mm -hmm. um, I will say one caveat to that is especially if an agent is new to an agency to mm -hmm. look at that agency's support structure and the other agent sales uh, because if there's a newer agent or a junior agent or an agent who's recently been promoted to a full agent, they may not have as much as many sales yet. But if they've got like a lot of agencies do have like a really solid support structure where the existing agents kind of mentor the new agents. So kind of look at the other agency uh, agents at the agency. And you, I mean, part of it is a judgment call. 
um, to kind of decide, do I want to do, you know, does this seem like a good thing? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, there there are new agents and sometimes new agents can be really hungry to build their list. Yes. Um, you just have oh, to yeah. look at no. what support structure that agent has to make connections in the industry. Let me reword yes. this because I think new agents are really important. It's not the new agents I'm talking yeah. about. Um, there is a particular agent, and I'm not going to go through any names, um, but she has been in the industry for uh, a long time, over, over like, like, like 15 years. Yeah. And she's sold books, um, a lot of books. But for the last 12 years, she's done nothing but sell rights. Yeah. And she is still requesting manuscripts and basically keeping people waiting for over a year. Um, to hear back from and like people get excited when these agents you know request their manuscripts and I'm 100% sure that this person is doing that to make sure that other agents aren't rep- like offering representation because if you have somebody re- make a full request um, and then you have another agent um, offer representation you then have a priority to send the other agents that have full requests out of email that says someone else has offered representation. Mm-hmm. And then that person I'm certain is reading the ones that have been offered representation to make sure she's not missing out on it. Yeah. And they're not actual requests and it's not actual interests. Like, yeah. you know, just make it's sure. It's about analyzing you, the data. You got to kind of look really at the whole picture of the data, data and kind of decide um, yeah. and say, okay, yeah, this does look sketchy or, okay, this yeah. is like an agent that, you know, is new or whatever. I'll admit I had a moment. I've had enough booze to be frank. Uh, I had a moment in group chat the other day where there was an agent who had um, one of, one of my friends mentioned an agent and I looked them up and it was one of the, I don't have a publisher's marketplace subscription right now, but it was one of the few who actually has a, like, occasionally there'll be one that has like a public profile and listed mm-hmm. 18 genres and or age categories under the things they represent. And there are some agents who are very successful who represent multiple genres. But when you list like every genre, I start to wonder like how knowledgeable you are in a, any specific one. Um, so that is one of the red flags that sometimes I would look for because I, and that may be a just personal thing. I wanted someone who knew my genre inside now. I want someone who knows fantasy, who loves fantasy. Um, so someone who's like romance, mystery, fantasy, nonfiction, uh, you know, yeah. thrillers, you, you, everything. <laughs> you do want to know what you want as a person too. Um, uh, an author who I'm friends with, you know, I told him, you know, who uh, a pub- he's published with tour. And I told him like, you know, I've been sending my book to all these agents and this and this and that. He's like, you found 90 agents to send your book to. Like, that's just impressive to me because it tells me that, you know, you're not a hundred percent sure about what you want. So like, I highly suggest you, you know, think about what you want in an agent. And if you're sending it to 30 or 40 agents then just do that, because you're not going to want an agent, um, that, that doesn't fit with you. And you have to really decide what your priorities are. You know, like, mm-hmm. do I want to listen to this author and really think about what I want or do I want to deal no matter who it's with, you know, whatever, like, cause some people don't care. Um, but like, for instance, with you, you know, you ended up with an agent, I think who's, very much like you who I think that I could dig, you know, like, you know, it, it, you're going to get along with this agent because she matches a lot of the things that you, you want as a person. Um, but you know, some of these agents, um, I've heard them called sharks. The one that, you know, the ones that get lots of, uh, six figure deals. Um, some of them, like they do take any genre. 
and yeah. they're really good at yeah, that's selling what like, just there good are books. some you just have to look but at also, what their sales are this particular agent again not naming names listed all these genres but you can see what this agent's most recent sales were and all like eight of them listed yeah. were nonfiction. And i'm like well we know where your heart really lies but, so yeah but also th those agents the ones that you're talking about they're not probably going to help you edit your book down as much they're looking true. for people whose manuscripts are ready to go right to an end that is a good point like, that is a very good point yeah they like so so a lot of these quote-unquote sharks you see like the ones that know how to sell a book for six figures they're looking for any genre, but they're also not going to help you edit it. They are going to take a manuscript that is ready to go to an editor and they're going to start subbing it. Yeah, I didn't like, think about that. I was thinking now. about like the knowledge and editing the genre. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about like just yeah. them taking the books that are ready to go. So that's actually a very everyone's good point. Different. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's different. And that's why you should get them up publisher's yeah. marketplace so that you can decide because there's no right way to do it. And there's no right or wrong agent. You yeah. just kind of have to decide what is right what for you. you want. Okay, there is one wrong agent, and I will not say the name because he is notoriously litigious. But there is one agent that please do not go with. <laughs> uh oh. I'll. We don't know who it is. I'll. Very spooky. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you later. I like I said, I'm not going to say anything because there is actually an entire episode of another podcast where they had to cut a whole section and replace it with a recipe. Because this agent threatened them with law lawsuits. And you will not see a well, lot bad about this agent online because he threatens everyone who says something bad about him with a lawsuit. Instead of telling us who he is, like, why don't you just say why it is you should never go with um, him? Okay, that's a good point. This agent is notorious for taking manuscripts and sometimes not telling authors that he is subbing yet. <laughs> um be like, oh, I'm going to take it. I'll read it. And then he shotgun subs everyone. And there are actually, there's actually scuttlebutt that there are editors who just like won't even open an email from him because he literally just emails every possible editor all at once to see who will nibble. And then if nobody nibbles, he drops the author. And now that manuscript is dead because it has been sent to every editor in the industry. Yikes. Yeah. Do your research. Do your people research. People like to talk shit about these agents, and you will find information. But yes, other than that, <laughs> there are no wrong agents. But that one agent, very much no. Anybody who wants to know who it is, you can find me on Twitter. You can DM me. I will tell you. But I will not say it publicly, lest I be slapped with a... Is it slander or libel? Slander lawsuit. Lest we have to put a lasagna recipe up yeah. here ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny because it was a joke. It was like, we were going to go into a section here, but now I'm going to share with you a recipe. And then they read <laughs> because you Never talk shit about anyone out loud on the internet. Yeah. It's just bad guys. Yeah, you can just cut <laughs> it. Don't ever do it. And it's it sucks because it's one of those things that like people who've like gotten into the whisper networks have heard about. But because of the like lawsuit threats... You have to be in a whisper network to know that this agent is bad, which is whisper networks are a whole other thing. I'm going to put that on, on our list of um, many episodes to talk about. Um, yeah, you should, because I've never even fucking heard of that. Whisper networks are, they're necessary in the industry to an extent because you can't come out publicly against some people. But at the same time, if you don't have a group of friends who are in the know, the whisper network is the people who on the down low message each other and go, hey, this person is shady, don't work with them. Or like just any any sort of that kind of thing. Um, but you have to know a person who knows a person 
in order to get in on these networks. And without them, people wouldn't know anything. But because they have to be kept on the down low, you have to like get an in into like some sort of whisper network to know this stuff. And so if you're new to the industry, you don't have access to this information. Spooky. spooky. (laughs) That's very spooky. Um, Okay. Anyways, we got away off topic. Is there anything else I wanted to talk about? I'm looking at our little note here. Oh, I think you mentioned you had a question from someone earlier. Um. I did have Elena. a question. I had a comment um, that was from um, our friend Elena, who actually had a really good point. And it kind of goes into the last thing I wanted to talk about, which was how to trim words and make your query or not query, make your pitch concise. And we kind of talked a little bit about that, like extraneous words, like inexorably or so that or just cut every just in a pitch. Just trust me on that one. Um, but Elena had a good note about the word length and syllable length. Which is that because pitches are meant to be skimmed quickly, don't put a lot of long or three-syllable words next to each other. Um, Because you want it to be like clippy and quick and easy to read. So if you put a lot of long words next to each other, people get like, I don't want to say bored. Pro tip. That's a pro tip. Yeah. They don't get, they, they just get like fatigued and like, ah, next one. They're like, ah, I have to think too hard about this. Like, ah, fuck this. Yeah. Like, man, no. The words <laughs> like inexorably, you don't want to put, if you were going to include it, you don't want to put next to some other long word um, because you want them to be able to like skim it real fast. And so putting more short words kind of broken up briefly here and there with longer words helps and it's kind of that same thing with sentence structure and reading um like actual prose but i was i had never thought about that and elena brought it up i think it was yesterday and i was like that's a really good point can we put that in the episode yeah that's that's legit um also like riffing off that a little bit you know if you have uh one of these online word editors or something like autocrit Mm. i think there's uh there's a couple other yeah, ones. Pro Writing Aid, um, to writing an extent, aid. Grammarly, uh, but... I don't know if those ones have one, but I know that Autocrit actually has a readability um, uh, tab that you can actually click, and it'll tell you how readable something is, and that's the sort Ooh. of stuff that it looks for. Yeah, a Pro Writing Aid might. Grammarly probably doesn't. I don't know. I haven't, I have, I've used Autocrit a little bit. I haven't used the other two. <laughs> Yeah, me either. I'm like, see, here I am. It's like, it's almost like Autocrit sponsors us the way I talk about that. But they don't. No one gives us money. No one gives us money. Um, So, yeah, I think that's most of my thoughts on pitches. Um, Keep it short. Keep it simple. Find your story's hook. Um, If you don't know what your story's hook is, either try to make a synopsis or like I said, honestly, it really helps to ask friends because I've had friends who I've read their book, I've beta read them and I'm like, this is what I loved. And they were like, oh, that's mm-hmm. not what I thought was going to resonate with people. And I'm like, no, this is my favorite part. Yep. It's always something you never expect. Yeah. Get beta readers. And hey, also on the point, you know, doing these Twitch contests, you can or, or Twitter, Twitter. Wow. 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 Twitter, Twitter, Twitter pitch, pitch. Twitter pitch events. <laughs> Doing Twitter pitch events. Oh my God, cut that one from the freaking. <laughs> oh no, I'm leaving that doing in. These, 
<laughs> during these during these Twitter pitch events, um, you can meet people. I I have met. Um, mm-hmm. I actually I, I think I've actually met one or two people just doing them. You know, saying hi. If you retweet their stuff, they retweet yours, and you're like, yeah, so that sounds like a pretty cool book. Like, and then you start talking to them, and mm-hmm. so like if you're looking for people to network with, that's a good way to do it too. Yeah, I have done that. I have actually met several people because I just saw their pitch and I was like, this book sounds awesome in the comments, and they were like, thank you, and then we got to talking and we followed each other and. Yep. I mean, you and I met through, it wasn't a pitch contest. It was one of the revision contests. I don't know what to call it. It was NaNoWriMo. It was like a... It was through RevPit. Yeah, Rev, Rev which Pit. is one of the like revision. It's actually for editors instead of agents or mentors, but it's editors will help you edit your book. And it's kind of a... I, they, I call them contests because I don't know what else to call them, but really isn't a contest because it's not like whose book is best. Um it's just RevPit is also really low key. Yeah. Like you can stand out in RevPit. Like join like check out RevPit because like it's kind of a cool event because there's not a whole lot of people do it. And like if you really want to like stand out and meet some cool people, that's a really good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, we they hosted an Anorimo event, and that's where I met actually most of my critique partners and the ones that mm-hmm. I did not meet through that event. I met through the people I met during that event. <laughs> like it was friends of friends kind yeah. of situation. So yeah, use yeah. the Twitter pitch contests and other contests and events and stuff to like find people who have books similar to yours. And just I know as an introvert, it's terrible to just be like, hey, this sounds cool. But honestly, we're all a bunch of like weirdos writing our work, Losers. writing our books. So anybody who's like, I like your weirdoness, it it works. It's good. <laughs> such fucking losers all of us we are Jesus. it's okay but we're all we're all <laughs> losers together yeah yeah exactly well, that was good that was good yeah that was good time. i think that's our final thought that's it so yeah. the next part is you talking about the next episode. me our next episode is on october 29th wow that's somebody's birthday i know <laughs> And will be a similar discussion on query letters. Join us live at 7.30 p.m. or listen on audio afterwards. And you can find everything about the podcast at anditswriting.com or look us up on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter uh, at the username anditswriting, A-N-D, not a weird ampersand sign. Not that the ampersand sign is weird, but you don't usually use it in usernames. <laughs> ampersand sign's fucked up. I love the ampersand sign. I have a whole blog post I wrote for my work on the ampersand sign. I'm a graphic designer. I love ampersands. Okay. Nerd. I am a nerd. Um, anyways, Twitter and it's writing. Uh, you can find episode updates and notifications there. We also have a Discord group if you want to hang out, have discussions. Most of the discussions so far have been about the booze we use for the episodes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, check out our main page on our website. There's a link to the discord. Um, if you do enjoy our episodes, please go to, I say iTunes, but I think it's actually Apple podcast now, but go there and leave a review because that's what the algorithm likes. Um, we'd really appreciate it and it will help other people find us. So I think that's all of the fun metadata. Yeah. So see you guys around. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.